0: This is Power Players with Dan Clark. This is a podcast interview with University of Utah football star, Karina Reed. Welcome to Power Players with Dan Clark, former athlete, Hall of Fame speaker, New York Times bestselling author, and high-performance business coach, where each week I bring you an inspiring message from an extraordinary human being and will share their secrets on how you can tap into your personal power to become everything you were born to be. Thanks for spending some time with me today. In this episode, University of Utah football star Karina Reed, three-star recruit out of View High School, two-time first-team all-region, first-team all-state, and Utah Valley defensive MVP, brother of starting Ute defensive end Gabe, who transferred from Stanford University to play as teammates, and son of Spencer Reed, who played football at BYU, and in the NFL with the Carolina Panthers and Indianapolis Colts, shares his life, an extraordinary Polynesian influence that taught him love, sacrifice, hard work, education, and loyalty that made him choose the team culture of family perpetuated in the Utah football program, giving us an inside glimpse into what it takes to maintain his priorities of faith, family, as a married man with a four-month-old baby boy, school as a proud member of the Pac-12 academic honor roll and being one of the best linebackers in the Pac-12 conference. This episode is brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway, one of the most amazing national companies on the planet with a special focus on our Utah market. I want to know, Corrino, you signed with Utah State, decided to serve an LDS mission you went to Madagascar, which is so cool, came back, and then without a scholarship offer, you walked on to the University of Utah, and I would suspect it has to do with friendships, with family influence, with, with the family feeling that Coach Whittingham and the coaching staff lays out as an attractive way to get young men like you to choose to come to Utah because I've watched you. I love when I knew I was going to interview you. I watched you on many plays in a row, We'll talk about how intense you are, how amazing you are. But I want to just take you back to the way you were raised in your family. You know, with your Samoan culture, I know family matters more than anything on the planet. And please take us back to how you were raised in Utah County, going to Timview High School, being a superstar, which was related, obviously, on your formal introduction of all the accolades you got as a superstar. But take us back, my friend.
1: Yeah, man, I think you hit it right on the head. Um, the culture, the culture was a big part of my upbringing. You know, in the Samoan culture, we talk a lot about love, writing, and, and giving freely, and also respecting those that are older than you. And so, um, I feel like in a way that shaped my personality, and it also shaped my work ethic. Right, I have a family now, and I want to make sure that I'm working hard for them, and also teaching my son, who's still really young, what it what it means to be a reed know what it means to be um, someone who's full of service and love and um, I just carried that with me throughout my throughout my youth and then also as a football player as well
0: so if you ever hear a little baby cry in the background I convinced his beloved Addison to bring Manu into the room and of course he wanted to be professional but of course I wanted everybody to know that he is a total package physical mental spiritual social family I love you. I love what you represent, good friend. Let's itemize one thing that you learned from your dad growing up, as a, as an awesome father, but as a competitive, you know, collegiate athlete who also played three years in the NFL. One thing that you learned from your dad, one thing that you learned from your mom, and how you plan on actually how that transposes into the football field, and then how you're going to teach those qualities or teach those things you learned to your new son Manu.
1: Yeah. Um, I think you hit it right on the head with what you said about my father. You know, he always said it, if I could, because he grew up in American Samoa, oh, and wow. he always said that he didn't really get the proper coaching that he felt the kids in the states were getting. So he always told us, you know, if I can make it to the NFL, you guys have no excuse for the coaching that you guys have here and the access to film study that you guys have here. So it really pushed us to be try to be greater than him, right? And the thing that he he had he had going for him was uh just determination and so I try to take that into my own game and as far as my mom she's kind of the one that that pushes school on us so she keeps us going in the classroom and her parents are teachers and so we we try to you know make her proud by doing well in the, and in the classroom. And your Pac-12 all academic honor roll congratulations.
0: So now we understand where comes from. <laughs> okay so uh Let's talk about the relationship you have with your brother, Gabe. See, older? Is he younger? Uh, how much difference in age is there?
1: Yeah, he's three years older than I am.
0: Okay. And what did you learn from him? Uh, were you able to play on the same team together? You know, was he a senior at Timfew when you were a sophomore? Teach us a little bit about the re- relationship you have with your brother.
1: Yep. So Gabe was a senior when I was a freshman. Oh, um, so we didn't really get to play against each other. I played scout team, varsity, and he pushed me around for a couple weeks during playoffs. But uh, our story is the typical little brother, big brother story. You know, when I was younger, he was he was the guy that I wanted to be. So I looked up to him a lot, and felt like I followed in his footsteps for the most part. And it kind of came full circle because he came to Utah, and so um, it's been a blessing to be around him.
0: Absolutely. So tell the fans what your number is. Number 21. Okay, and he plays linebacker. Yep. And so now you can see what a handsome dog he is inside the helmet oh. or with the helmet off. What's your favorite part of the game? Is it run-stop
1: or is it pass-pro? Oh, that's a tough question, man. I, uh, I feel like my, my strengths lean more towards the passing game. Uh, You know, I'm a little bit of a smaller linebacker, so I'm able to move quicker and keep up with some of the tight ends and receivers that not a lot of linebackers could. Is how I feel. So, how
0: do you prepare for game day? We all know you don't win the game on Saturday. You win it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Kind of give us an inside glimpse onto how you've become an elite linebacker in the Pac-12 and how you've emerged as one of the great leaders on the field. Remember when the you know, when the, once the game starts, the coach is stuck on the sidelines. Somebody on the field has to make a play, and that's why I love interviewing you today because you're one of those playmakers.
1: You yeah, know, appreciate that. Yeah, as far as preparation, I, I just try to treat Monday through Friday as if it's Saturday, right? So if we're in the film room or on the practice field making those calls, it's got to be just as intense as it is on Saturday because. You know, when we get on the field on Saturday, there's going to be so many fans yelling. Like you said, we can't hear the coaches. They can mouth stuff, but it, it's all you, right? And so if you prepare with that kind of intensity, it's, it comes second nature on Saturdays. So talk to us about this, this trust. You know, I uh, I wore
0: this shirt on purpose because we just celebrated Veterans Day, and even though this interview is evergreen and people can pull it up 20 years from now, when you've got 11 kids and you've had a you know 27-year NFL career and you're you know driving your Ferrari, what we have to really understand is what we learn from these elite warriors, whom we highlighted and celebrated in the game on Saturday because it was the day after Veterans Day, and. One of the things that I've learned from these these elite warriors is that a warrior, an armored up warrior, never has to get ready. He stays ready. And when I watch you play the last few weeks, it seems like you're ready on every play. So what do you do mentally when an average play only lasts five seconds, and yet you have 25 to 30 seconds to think about it before it occurs in between every play? When I talk to teams, I always remind them about that. What do you do? If you missed a tackle, if you screwed up a coverage, how do you recover? How do you rebound? How do you get ready? Because you got 25 to 30 seconds to get your mind and body ready to go to war again. Teach us about what you do on every play. The play has ended. You might be winded. What do you do to get ready for the next play that's going to happen within 25
1: to 30 seconds? Yeah, that's a great question, Matt. I think it depends on how the play went, right? If if you said I had a missed tackle, then I'm a big guy that believes in um, focusing on your breath, right, meditation. I, I'm big into mindfulness and um, trying to get back to that spot where I'm comfortable within my mind. Um, say I had a, a, a great play. Um, I'm trying to use that as momentum. I'm trying to pump the crowd up, pump my teammates up, use that excitement and try not to get rid of it, hold on to it as long as I can. So it really just depends on the flow of the game and, and how the plays are unrolling. Because you're so committed to excellence, and just based on what you just said.
0: What if a fellow linebacker, what if, what if number three, what if somebody else missed a coverage? What if somebody else missed a tackle? Uh, how, as a leader on the field, what do you say to that person? What do you do with that person, for that person, to make sure they're not down and that they can regulate their emotion m- to get ready again?
1: Yeah, you got to go right up to them and tell them that's nothing. Like literally like don't don't worry about that. No one else is thinking about it because I think in our own minds it's magnified, right? You're you're fighting your own thoughts. I can't believe I missed that. I don't want to mess up again and so knowing that everyone's having those thoughts, you got to go straight to them and say, "Hey, you know, we're not thinking about that anymore. Relax, we're good." Especially if a coach is ripping them too. That's that's even worse. Oh, so, yeah. you got to you gotta watch out for your teammates in that way.
0: Okay, so because your dad played at the highest level,
1: <clears throat> and I can't wait to meet him. I
0: just I can just tell he's just a superstar. What what conversations do you have with your dad after a game? Because in my situation as a married man, when my wife hears me speak or sees me do something, she's my biggest fan and my most respectful critic. <laughs> So, obviously, if you had a chance to drive home with your dad after a game and the youths lost, or as we say, we didn't lose, time ran out, but we didn't lose, what are some of the conversations? What correction style did your dad and and sweet mother use to help you get focused back up on being a champion if you just, by chance, had a really lousy game?
1: (laughs) Uh, it depends on what stage of life. If we're in high school, yeah, I'm getting it all. You know, he's ripping me, pointing out every mistake. I think as Gabe and I have gotten older, it's more of a, you know, we're married, right? So he kind of respects us more, and it's not as intense. So he'll for sure still let us know what we did wrong, but we have a more open line of communication. If we make a mistake, we can tell him, yeah, I was thinking this, this is where I messed up, and he'll help correct us. But, uh... In high school, yeah, it was, you listen, you don't talk, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that type of situation.
0: You sometimes limped back to school on Monday because yeah. it was just a, a, about whipping on the on Yeah. The, uh, so, you know, from a from a corporate perspective, as a leadership trainer, as a sales trainer, I always counsel people, young men like you. We should never seek opinion. We should only seek counsel. Some things are true, whether you believe them or not, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but nobody's entitled to the wrong facts, and we should never believe everything that we think. So when you go to someone for crit- criticism, for constructive criticism, we have to realize there are three forms of feedback. We have educational, excuse me, we, yeah, we have factual uh, feedback, which are just the facts. We assign no blame. You, blew, you missed the tackle, you screwed up on the pass coverage, you blew it no assigning of blame or responsibility. It's just the facts. Second kind of feedback is motivational. No matter what you did, no matter what your past has been, you have a spotless future. Get back up. I believe in you. You know, there's a difference between the person and the performance. Failure's an event, not a person. Football's just what you do. It's not who you are as a man. Motivation. And then third kind of feedback is educational, which is the correction. So what brought to mind was the respect you have for your dad. Having been there, having done that, it's not, cri- it's not criticism, it's love, it's help, it's coaching. And you don't take offense to that when someone points out that you blew it. What you do is you accept it as a teaching moment, as love, that I can become better. Thank you so much for caring enough about me to guide me to be better. That's the reputation that I hear time and time again from your fellow teammates that Whittingham has created, that all of the coaching staff at the University of Utah is famous for, that gives you reason to come to the University of Utah. So describe from your perspective as a family man, as a spiritual man, as a highly competitive athlete, as a superstar elite linebacker, showing up, you're such a mellow dude, but you show up at the line of scrimmage every play in a bad mood. Good for you. Teach us how you regulate all of that to put it together and segregate your different parts of life so that you put everything in perspective and and, and have become this amazing young man that you are.
1: Yeah, I just, I feel like when I say I want to be great, it doesn't mean just in football. You know, so when I'm on the football field, that's all I'm thinking about. I, I want to be a different person. I want to be this fierce competitor that, know has no regard for anyone else but when I'm at home you know I want to be the greatest father I can be I want to be the greatest husband I can be and so I think it's all about chasing greatness in whatever aspect of life that you're in whether it's in the classroom or on the field um so my natural personality like you said yeah is mellow and I'm a go with the flow kind of guy but um when it comes to chasing success I, I feel like I'm pretty intense in that way
0: so in chasing counsel instead of opinion, who would your hero be physically? Who Who's a player that you admire right now in the league, in, in the Pac-12, or in the NFL, or both, that you would admire that, that inspires you?
1: Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this because it's a former Cougar, but I'm a big Fred Warner fan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 49er, what a stud. Man, he's a great linebacker. And... I, don't, I hope I don't get in trouble for this because one, Because of what he
0: does off the field, too, martial arts, I'm a Fred Warner fan, too. Are you? Hell, yeah. Good yeah. for you.
1: No, he's okay. a great player.
0: But remember, Coach Whittingham was all conference. He was one of the better linebackers who ever played at BYU.
1: I, I loved mean, watching. Oh, my
0: gosh. He Never. was so good. Dang. Okay. I Keep feel going. like us
1: players wonder about that. Oh, you yeah. Know? You
0: should <laughs> pick up some old field,
1: man. Yeah. yeah. Film.
0: He was so good, and I'm a youth going, dude. Oh yeah, I That's love, best, I love yeah. Whittingham for all the things that he brought to the fight before he became a youth. Oh yeah. Okay, so, so Fred Warner, uh, who in the Pac-12 do you, um, you admire as a fellow as a fellow champion linebacker?
1: Um, Last year I, I was a, a big fan of obviously Devin Lloyd, right? Oh yeah, 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 I, yeah. I didn't even have to look <laughs> past our own team to to be a big fan. Um, but Darian Butler was a great linebacker last year that I liked for Arizona State. Yeah, And those Washington State linebackers are no joke either this year. So um, it's fun. It's fun to watch film on other linebackers and try to, you know, it's a copycat world, right? Try yep. to take some moves that we see from them and, and use those to your own advantage. So may I
0: make a suggestion? My dad, growing up, he always told me to identify the thoroughbreds of my generation and keep in touch. So I played against McMahon, and we became buddies. And I became friends with a lot of the guys that I competed against because I could see that they were the elite athlete, they were the elite leader, they were the the, the, the crazy guy I wanted to be friends with later <laughs> on in life. Yeah. And that could be a suggestion for anyone listening to this podcast is that one of the greatest blessings in our lives is when we get through competing at the highest level just trying to kick the crap out of each other and at the end of the game we hug his brothers going, man, you pushed me, You know, great game. So... Okay, next, physical. So now, mentally, who who inspires you to be this great, this great student athlete? You're putting emphasis on your education. You're thinking beyond football. Who's your greatest inspiration to go to class and work hard?
1: Um, just how we talked about our upbringing, it would probably be my mom. Yeah. Just because at such a, a young age, um, it was always make sure you get your schoolwork done before you do anything, right? And so even now that we're older, she's always how's school going and that text doesn't really come from anyone else right it's always about football when it's other family members but my mom's always the one that keeps us in check as far as school work
0: do you think that's part of the Samoan culture that basically everybody in the family works for your mom your dad's like yes ma'am now how do you want <laughs> yeah. me to jump no right. problem yeah that's just it's kind it's of valid. how I've noticed the no, major right. order that's just so respectful it's just so cool to watch and you teach all of us this podcast episode is brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway, one of the most iconic brands in the real estate world. We thank you so much for your Utah athletic support. Do you sense that on the on the Ute football team, the sense of family? You know, I've mentioned this on air with a lot of the other athletes. We have all heard of TEAM, Together Everyone Achieves More. And when I work with an NFL team, I always say we need to... Tr- tr- up level that to F A M I L Y family. Forget about me. I love you. I love do you. That. Do you sense that family culture at the University of Utah? And it, is that what kind of drew you to that? Do you think that's the secret to the Polynesian pipeline when we see so many
1: Polynesian players just love coming to Utah and they're working hard in our system? 100%. And I think that's why these Polynesian people feel at home. Like you said, they, it feels like family. And it's crazy that you can get people from all over the country who have these different upbringings and different beliefs and all of a sudden, right, we're all brothers and friends. It's it's special.
0: So let's talk about your your spirituality. I think one of the greatest things that everybody needs to understand is that the things, the lessons you learn about serving a, a full-time two-year volunteer mission, regardless of our religious tradition, regardless if anybody listened to this as a, a member of your church, what did you learn on your mission that I th- you think every young man or young woman needs to learn regardless if they serve for two years or not in a religious tradition?
1: The biggest thing that it's taught me that I'm able to apply in other aspects of life is just to wake up and work when you don't feel like it. That mission schedule is no joke, right? You, and you don't even have anyone watching you. You just you go at six thirty all the way to ten thirty, and it's go, go, go. And it's such a strict schedule, but it's taught me that there were so many days on my mission where I didn't... I wish I would have just slept in, but for whatever reason, I, I pushed myself to keep going and keep going, and now I feel the same way.
0: Because you you knew it was only two years, so you got to set yourself on fire and make sure you burn out in the service. Right. Yeah, no burn problem. out in the service. So you served in Madagascar. Tell us one experience you had over there that really... that, that When you went to sleep that night, you're like, okay, I'm now a man. <laughs> I have never gotten that question
1: before. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm going to have to think about
0: that. It was just a tough day, you know. The weather's bad. You're struggling with the language. People hate you. You're in a rock fight on, you know, at 1030 in the morning. I mean, come on, man. man. I served in Ireland. That's
1: why I speak as one having experience. Yeah, no, you're going (laughs) to give me PTSD looking for those dark (laughs) days, man. I I think it's not as green as people think. Oh, yeah? It's mostly dirt, and when it rains... And you have to walk uphill and there's these mudslides and oh man, yeah. Just battling through the weather and the elements and then also the food's not great. Everything's bland. So just learning to be one of them the the Malagasy people. And learning to love them. Right. No no matter what.
0: Which you brought home with you. Love your teammates, love diversity, find strength in in diversity and everything else matters, right? Everything else takes care of itself. That's right. You know, one of my favorite books is Winning by Tim Grover, and he was the mindset coach for Michael Jordan and for Kobe Bryant and for D. Wade. And as I've read that book, and I've had a chance to be on the program with him, he, he asks people, so what is happiness? Everybody says, oh, it's love, and it's, it's warmth, and it's ease, and it's utopia. And he says, no. You ask these guys that he's worked with, these elite athletes, what is happiness? They say It's pain sacrifice. It's hard work. It's, it's putting in time. It's doing what you need to do even when you don't feel like you're doing it. So maybe that's something else that you learned in your mission, that you had to do things. Um, the difference between a successful person and an unsuccessful person is that the, the, uh, unsuccessful per- that the successful person will do what the unsuccessful person will not do the kicker is the successful person doesn't want to do it either but they do it anyway that's Corinna reed baby i can see that as you run (laughs) to the ball as i say you never take off a play it's awesome
1: appreciate that so
0: let's talk about game day how do you prepare for the game take us into that you you go to bed you it's it's pre-game butterflies you calm down at night you know, you got to have it right at home or you can't get it right on the field. You got to get it right at home or you can't get it right at school. So I understand the significance of your personal relationship, which is so cool to hear Manu in the background a little bit there, Addison. But take us to game day. Once you wake up, what do you do to get you ready to kind of leave that utopian family feel and just put your warrior helmet on, put on the whole armor of Utah and go battle?
1: Yeah. I think the Monday through Friday is so intense that when Saturday comes, I I really want to try and relax, you know, wake up and feel good and be myself. And if that means watching a TV show, depending on how much time we have, watching a TV show to calm me down. Um, And then on on downtime, Coach Witt's so big on visualization, just, you know, sitting there by yourself and imagining those big plays and, all the film that you've watched, imagining yourself fitting in the correct spots and making those plays. Um, I just do whatever I need to to relax, whether that's music or, or TV and then...
0: What would board. your music of choice be? So when I when I interviewed, interviewed Clark Phillips, I said, so you put the headphones on before the game, or are you like Michael Phelps, Olympic swimmer, he's listening to rap, he's listening to <laughs> you know, hard rock, and he's getting fired up to break a world's record. And Clark Phillips says my dad's a preacher <laughs> so I listen to a hymn and I'm like oh dude I oh I love Clark so what do you do to, to to mellow you out do you have a certain playlist that you listen to every game day or what do you do
1: I'm a big Jack Johnson guy oh wow yeah, yeah. way mellow so kind yeah. of that Hawaiian like yeah. <laughs> mellow guitar yeah. dude I'm, that's good yeah and then uh, maybe a a couple minutes before kickoff, then I'll turn on my rap music or whatever I need to kind of turn that switch. But So, before so plug
0: your artist. Who do you listen to, man, right before game? Tune it up a couple notches. Uh,
1: anything you can imagine. Drake, J. Cole, I'm Anybody. pretty basic, yeah. Yep. Very cool. yeah, Nothing, like,
0: erratic, like, you know. My wife ran off with my best friend, and I'm going to kill him. No.
1: (laughs) Nothing crazy (laughs) like that. Just trying to get you fired up Yeah, just enough to, you know, nothing crazy.
0: Okay, so what's your favorite food? Mm.
1: That is a tough one. I love Mexican food. Really? (laughs) Yeah. And I'm easy, too. I'm not even that picky about Mexican food. It doesn't have to be super authentic or quality. I just... I love Mexican food. I love island food. Food, obviously. Oh yeah. So, I'm. I you can ask my wife. I'm not very picky at all.
0: So if 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 no one's at home when you show up and you're starving, what would you your default meal be? What would oh you cook yourself? God. Or what so would That you? sounds
1: like a nightmare. <laughs> I would go <laughs> in the pantry and see if there's a pop tart or something. <laughs> or see if there's any cereal left over. My wife's yeah, she's the cook. So if she's not home, that's. It's rough.
0: Very, very cool. Okay, so let's just cut down to the last couple of minutes. If you were going to make, and this is your chance to do a recruiting plea, what would you say to any young man in any school across the country to get him to decide to come to Utah?
1: My experience has been that Utah is going to play the best players. Um, I wasn't recruited, right? I was a walk-on, and so the fact that they saw my – talent and decided to develop me and use me meant a lot and says a lot about the University of Utah. So um, for those that think that they're going to play their five-star recruits or their top recruits, um, that hasn't been the case for me. So if you feel like you're the best player and that you can play, um, you just got to show it and Utah's going to put you in the right spot.
0: Isn't that? That's, let me just milk this for a second, my friend. So yeah, so many so many people believe that if you're recruited by a coach and they come into your living room and promise you all this and you know you know and with the Nil now maybe with a Ferrari and a couple of mansions in Beverly Hills that you're going to play. but what you're saying is that's all well and good but if you can't perform, your position is up for grabs every single day. The Muhammad Ali three-time world heavyweight boxing champion I was a guest at his house back in 1988 before Parkinson sets in and I said, champ, you know, you've been three-time world champ, which means you've been defeated twice by two inferior opponents. Why? He said, I got complacent. He said, once the fight began, I forgot that I had no longer held the title. I had put it up for grabs, and I had to fight as hard as I did the first time. I wanted to win it back. So that's your mindset you're teaching everybody, that every day your position's up grabs, and you must earn it back every day. Don't take anything for granted. So if you show up as a four-star, five-star recruit, it takes you 22 and a half minutes to walk from the back of your team meeting room to the front because you, you walk like you sat on something hot. Maybe you don't know who I am. You haven't read my my newspaper clippings. That doesn't mean one thing. It's what you do in preparation and film study, the weight room, better in yourself every day. That's your message.
1: Yeah. Yeah, these guys just want to win, and so they're going to put their best guys forward.
0: Okay. Um, last 30 seconds. If you, if, if we could help you with the NIL. Let's milk it to 60 seconds. NIL. Name, image, and likeness. How could we help a young man like you, newlywed, new father, in the NIL market? What can we do to keep in touch with you and to solicit any help from any corporate sponsor, anybody in the Ute family, in the Ute nation to Rise up and say, Corinna Reed represents every single one of us fans with so much integrity, so much class, so much heart. So how do we how do we get a hold of you? How do we reach out to you to support you as an individual, Corinna?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm on Instagram. If you search my name and Facebook as well, It's K
0: E R E N E K A R E N E. Yeah, K A. Yeah, that's what I thought. I said I okay, my well,
1: Just making sure.
0: But it's Corinna. Excellent. Yeah, if, yep. it, if it was French, it would be accenté du. <laughs> Read R E I D. Yes, and so, how do we, is it just, that's your handle? Just, uh, if you just, in, just search
1: that name in, yep, you'll find it.
0: Because be it's the name. only one in the world. Good <laughs> for you, man. Yeah. Dan Clark, I sound like a freaking cereal box. This <laughs> is wrong. I'm going to go back to my mom. And what would you, clothes, cars, food? Like you said, any, uh, anything.
1: Anything helps. You okay. know, we're, you said a young family. I think everyone's been there, done that, right? Oh, in college. absolutely. And so anything helps. We're grateful for anything.
0: Okay, and in the NFL draft, what would be your your team of choice that you would want to play for? Oh, That's
1: that fits your I style
0: have. of linebacker. You know, you said Fred Warner because you play a lot like him. You can go inside or outside. Good. So, who would be your favorite team as
1: we wind down? You know what? I, I think more about location than I do about oh, I the scheme. It. Right? Just because my family's all in Utah, so I wouldn't prefer to be out east but whatever any teams down here on the west
0: simply said raiders is that because it sounds good yeah
1: (laughs) sounds good yeah one of those two this podcast episode
0: is brought to you by the incredible berkshire hathaway one of the most recognizable and iconic brands in our country in our state and we thank you so much for supporting our student athletes at the university of utah Okay, ladies and gentlemen, Corinna Reed, and uh, I want to thank him so much because of the wisdom he shared with all of us. If you're out there in Ute Nation and you need to show your support instead of just say or tell your support, please contact Corinna Reed, and we'll work with him through the NIL uh, opportunity to just support him and his family. And his mission in life to just leave everybody else better than they were when they arrived. I hear that's the reputation. You're a leader off the field as well as on the field, and I congratulate you. Thank you so much for joining us. Awesome.
1: Appreciate you. Awesome.
0: Thanks. The views and opinions expressed on the Power Players podcast do not necessarily reflect those of KUTV or Sinclair Broadcast Group.